where four teaching friends from across the country who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's hard? Tackling project-based learning in your classroom. (laughs) I love that word, tackling. Oh, yes, that's a good... I keep thinking about football helmets and body pads. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's how I feel. Sometimes. <laughs> yes, well, that just reminded me too, Tracy, <laughs> that sometimes project-based learning can feel overwhelming and daunting and like we're actually playing a football game. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. We're hounded by that internal voice. I know I've asked it. What are they really learning here? Like, is this worth our time? Um, So let's talk about the rationale for doing project-based learning. The first, right? Oh, go ahead. You start, Trace. Okay. Well, I think like the first is like the scope of work, right? They need to learn how to to comprehend the entire scope of a project. So, um, to be able to have that big picture thinking, I think that project-based learning really develops that. It does, as well as mm-hmm. time management, right? Because they have to mm-hmm. be able to see the overall scope of work and then break it down into manageable chunks. Exactly. Huge, huge life skill. Yeah. <laughs> some adults <laughs> need that still. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, like I can really use with some project-based learning in my life. <laughs> There's also like the real world problem simulation. Um, I think that helps kids kind of discover their skills. It also, Mm -hmm. I think, helps them zero in on new hobbies and passions and careers that might be in their future because it it gives them a chance to kind of muck around and what does a what does an inventor really do what what does an electrician really do what does you know it it answers those questions and gives them some practical experience yes it does it answers the questions of when are we going to use this in real life (laughs) (laughs) it is real life right and i think if they know that it's real or they think that it's real. I mean, either one, like they totally have more buy-in because they're excited because I think they feel their results can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, in addition to all that, um, it also helps students improve their interpersonal skills. I mean, kids do have to learn how to work with each other and to get along with each other. And yes. uh, <laughs> it's sometimes difficult. <laughs> the collaboration. Yes. Yeah. It really and helps I, them to do that. I think, too, it helps them develop creativity. Um, it helps, you know, that outside-the-box kind of thinking. Um, given real-world situations, they become creative problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's amazing to see what they come up with. And I also love how it um, it kind of sh- highlights certain kids in your classroom who aren't necessarily known as the best students in the class, right? Mm-hmm. It highlights their strengths, whereas where then other kids will start to ask them for advice and start to praise yeah. them for things they notice. And I just love seeing that shift in the classroom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it helps kids see each other and develops um, kind of a collegial, for lack of a better word, word collegial respect. Um, they're able to see their, their, um, 
appear in a different light and realize that they have actual knowledge and actual skills just because they're not, you know, readers and writers, kids who flourish with that doesn't mean that they aren't valuable and have a different kind of smart, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it gives them different ways to look at things too, because everybody's attitudes and ideas are different. So it's good. I love when you have those students in your class who don't think along in, they don't think inside the box, right? Yes. Because I, I tend, I myself tend to be such like a rule follower and want to know exact details that mm-hmm. I need others to model for me what it looks like to, to think differently. Right. And yeah. it always amazes me. Like even as an adult, I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or mm-hmm. it's such a valuable skill. Well, and I think too, it also, there's an element of choice there because um, projects are chosen by the students or assigned by the teachers, but there's always choice. And boy, we're just coming off of recording our last episode of our culturally responsive um, classroom series. And choice was a big thing we talked about, as was different ways of assessing kids. And both of the, you know, project-based learning fits the bill for both of those things. Right. Right. And also I think it's, you know, teachers are able then to assess our students in other ways, not just do they know the facts, but, you know, are they able to observe? Are students able to come up with Mm -hmm. a hypothesis? Are students able to investigate and then investigate and then share their findings? There's just so many other good skills in there that are not necessarily um, a subject area in our curriculum. Which goes to that, that whole idea of like end-to-end problem-solving skills, right? To be able to yes. take something from its inception and follow it to the end and, and look at the different stages that occur when you're trying to solve a problem. Um, there's so many reasons. There's so much rationale for doing project-based learning. So if we haven't convinced you yet, you need to stick with <laughs> Because we're about to get real. We're going to talk about um, how planning and how setting it up can lead to big success in your classroom. If you're just starting project-based learning or if you've been doing it for a while, we've got some tips for you. Okay, so we know because I've been... I've been a shivering mass of vulnerability <laughs> when I talk about my elementary school setting and how I didn't want to work with other kids. I was one of those kids who loathed working in a group, but that was because of how that was set up because students would take credit for my thinking and they'd take credit for my work. Group grades were given. Ugh, um, the worst. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I was partnered with students who lacked skill. Um, I wasn't taught the skills of how to deal with that or how to deal with disagreements or how to deal with unmotivated partners. You know, those skills back in the day, they weren't taught. You were just expected to, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Yep, you were um, thrown in just with a group of kids it. that you got no choice exactly. about. That's right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I could tell you a story about, wow, this one person I would get all four years of high school I got stuck in a group with this person and she drove me insane, like foam at the mouth insane. And then when I got <laughs> to college, the first thing the professor did was he, she was in my class at college. He stuck no, her in. The- 
No. I and I said, I talked to him. I negotiated out of the group because I could not. I'm like, come on, seriously? So today is a teacher though. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So were, were, your, were you always, were you grouped like alphabetically? Was she near you alphabetically? Like how did you end up in these same groups? Uh, well, That's terrible. it was a small class and we just happened to both be in all of these advanced English and writing classes. Um, and so because the, of the nature of them, at the, back then they didn't call them AP, they were just advanced because of the right. nature of them. Um, it was a smaller group of students. And so we just always ended. It just happened. Every <laughs> oh my God. I know that's, that's terrible. Right now, I'm, oh, it was awful. So yeah. So that professor, I went to him and privately said, dude, and I was honest. I told him about my whole four years of horror and said, please don't do this to me, please. And he let me switch groups. Thank oh God. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so today as a teacher, I have some very definite goals and steps that I can take before beginning to ensure that my students are supported. Um, let's talk about how we set this up. Shall we, ladies? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, it's... In theory, it is such a great project-based learning, such a great structure, right? To practice collaboration, communication within teams. We always hear that businesses say that kids are coming out of you know school not able to work in groups mm-hmm. um, or work in group settings. So we we immediately started to implement these um, and done well done well, the members can really help each other understand the content and, you know, tackle complex tasks and each of you use your own strengths if mm-hmm. done well. But the problems occur, yes. like you were saying, Tracy, and as my daughters have all come home and complained about the same exact thing is that they're mm-hmm. always the ones doing most of the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, one solution that I had with that is there was where you, everybody would get a chance to talk by, you take a pencil and you put it in front of one person, they would do their part, then it would go in front of the next one and so on. Everybody would get a chance to talk and do their part. And the other thing that I would do is I would have kids, um, if they were handing in something written, they would have to initial the part that they've written so I could, you know, when you have to do the yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they would be, they would be regraded on what they did. So that helped. Well, a little I, t- bit. I tend to do um, one of the ways that I get around that is they might have group work where the learning is occurring, hopefully. And, you know, they've got the learning task and whatever it is, this is what they're doing together. Mm-hmm. But then what they turn into me, they do independently. So they do all the thinking and the talking and the processing, all of that together. But then they split up and they write their own response. They do their own individual task. And that's what I assess. Yeah, I would do that too, actually, because they would write their reaction to it or whatever it was that I assigned. And they would have to do their own part and they would get graded on that. But I did like I did like to see what they did together. So that's why I would have them initial. Absolutely. That I was correcting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I also, when I do group projects, um, their group grade is actually a excuse me, a cooperation grade. It's a teamwork grade. Mm-hmm. And then their individual grades are on the part they contributed to the group project. <laughs> yes. I Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. But you know, I think that before we even get to that, there are ways that we can help our students. We can support them in working together. One of the things, I mean, 
when you think about um, as an adult and you're working on on teams, one of the, you know the big thing is what are your norms, right? What are your expectations? What are, what are the agreements that you hold with each other? So teaching kids to establish, okay, this is who we're going to be. This is who we're not going to be. Mm-hmm. This is what we expect from each other. This is what's going to happen if we don't get this. And and they can have a, a say in what that looks like. They should have a say. Um, so to teach them how to, to norm is a really valuable life skill. Mm-hmm. It's true. That is. I mean, just like when we go to PDs, right? And usually the presenter will put up the norms. <laughs> right. Even though maybe everyone doesn't follow them, but at least it's stated like this is what's expected. Um, right. I think also within groups too, you know, if as one strategy to support students in working together is to make sure there's guidelines that have their roles and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes yes. I've found that some of my most effective group work has been where I've specifically chosen which kids are in what group based on, based on their, either their interest or their ability. And then their tasks are grouped that way. So I know that they'll be successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I would put like one high kid, one low kid and two average kids in a group. And that seemed to work really well. I remember taking a few courses on that and they suggested to do that. And it, it really, it was good. Well, and I think too, um, one thing that I've incorporated is, is a coaching kind of piece on, we always like end the learning opportunity for the the session, you know, by saying, okay, how did it go today? What did you learn? You know, and you're talking about the content, but then after I'm done with that, then I, I back off from that and I say, okay, so now what did we learn about collaboration today? Mm. And and I make them reflect on that. Okay, how did that go? How did it not work well? Why didn't it work well? What could you do next time? So there's like a problem-solving piece, and it's a way of coaching kids through conflict Mm -hmm. um, because there's going to be conflict. That's just the nature of collaboration. What what you're trying to teach them is how to move through that conflict and, and realize that this isn't, you know, this, this isn't a race on the playground. <laughs> you right, know, it's, right. You're a team. You're not there to beat each other senseless. So, yeah. Well, and I also I think, think um, within your projects, providing criteria and logistical checklists for each role. Mm-hmm. So everyone like can, I, everyone likes a checklist, right? Like, did I do this? Yep. Did I do this? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of keeps them on task so that one person isn't doing all the work. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, too, um, another thing to be aware of is that sometimes um, when you start a project base or what you feel is is a project, it can actually behave more like a traditional unit. Um, there can be things where it kind of it's not as engaging to students as you thought it was. And a lot of times things are called project based learning, but but they're not. Yes. Right. They're projects. Yes. And there's a difference. Um because usually project-based learning is there to, to solve a problem, to solve what would be perceived as a real problem in the world. Whereas projects, projects could take on many forms and faces and purposes, and, and they're not necessarily to, 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 for creative problem solving. Right. So I think it's important to kind of know the difference between the two um, 
and get feedback from your learners. Like if it's, if, if you can sense that kids aren't engaged and it feels like it's tanking, stop, ask them why they'll tell you. Right. They sure. Will. <laughs> well, or not, you want to hear it sometimes. That's right. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I have a, which I have learned is a project, not project-based learning, <laughs> where, you know, mm-hmm. as we're learning about area and perimeter and we, the kids are to create this new playground and then write a letter to our principal explaining, um, you know, why they chose it. And always their question is, so is he really going to read this? And then will they really make these changes? Yeah. And when they learn that it's... No, they would, you know I mean? Our playground is not going to be changed. You can see the deflation and I think that I shouldn't have told them, but then they'll feel as if they were cheated out of something, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's that's an important difference, isn't it? Because I mean, think about ourselves as adults, just as teachers sitting at a staff meeting, right? We had, and, or looking at data together and, and, and your district wants you to do A, B, and C. And you sit there and you think, but, but why? Is Mm. it, What's it going to do? Like, what's the reason? Is it going to do something? And as soon as you find out that it's just another flaming hula hoop they want you to to jump through and that there really isn't (laughs) an urgent purpose to it, you know, it's it's to check off a tick mark on a list. Yeah. As an adult learner, as an adult teacher. I'm pissed off, right? (laughs) You really think I don't have more valuable things to do with my time than tick off this item on a list? (laughs) So, I mean, why wouldn't our kids feel the same way? Sure. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Everyone wants to feel authentic. That's right. That's it. Yeah. And everyone wants to feel like what they're doing is valued and valuable. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. And sometimes, too, with project-based learning, kids aren't used to active learning. Have you found that? Yes. They would rather just be told what to do because it's passive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, less for them to be involved in. But so, they, and, and then, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, but but when they start to own their own learning, they start to own their own learning when they have that decision-making power on what and yeah. how they are learning, right? So giving choices is the starting point but not the final solution. And teachers, okay, so you know, teachers can be in charge of that. Yeah. There's that word choice again. Yep. Choice, 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 choice. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. So my favorite part of this last segment is to not use group work for grades. So can we talk about how we assess students' understanding? If we're not doing that, what are some specific things that you've done to change it up? Well, a lot has changed in education since those of us who are now the teachers were back in were in school. Because back in the day, assessment was do the worksheet and finish your writing report. Yeah. Um, and if you had problems with the writing, here's the red pen. I've worked it out for you. Now recopy it. So, project-based <laughs> learning. How do we change it up? How do we assess our students' learning? What's well, something think, you've done? I think initially, when when rubrics came in you know, trying to get away from the nitpicky points and going more towards holistic grading, it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I have also found that that's a little too broad if there's mm-hmm. something specific I need to be grading. 
Um, I like asking the kids how, you know, they're, they're so creative. How will I know? Mm -hmm. Or how will you know when you've achieved your goal? And they'll come Mm -hmm. up with ways to tell you that, right? Whether it's in their, in their notebooks where they've been journaling about it, or if they come up with a final project, um, I think they're much more able to articulate what they've learned than just right. the test. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, I have used some rubrics and um, ahead of time, we've, you know, we've discussed what we're going to be graded on and everything. And we give certain points for certain things and the kids seem to work pretty well with that. But I, I really do like uh, reflective journaling where they're writing their ideas about how they felt about it, what was good about it, what was bad about it. You know, we basically talked about that before. How their thinking has changed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What they what would they would do to make it different? You know, and yeah. they really do. They are creative enough to come up with great ideas. One of my favorites is performance based assessments. Um, when I was in a newcomer program, you know, some of the more traditional assessments could could really be hard for people who've been in the country for three months. So um, we did things, especially like with science, where um, we would set up the performance-based assessment and we would ask them to demonstrate with the science tools, the learning, we would ask them to do it. So like in our solar system unit, you know, we had, a, we created a solar system model and we asked them instead of writing, we asked them to show what orbit meant with the word card. And we asked them to show what rotation meant, um, and they were able to do that with their little styrofoam balls, you know, that they showed, they knew what it meant because they didn't have the English yet to write. This is what this means. And and I've taken that a step further now. I've got some kids who, um, I've had some children who, that's some of the more traditional assessments are kind of um, challenging for them for a variety of reasons. Um, and so for them to show me the knowledge, sitting there one-on-one, like in a conference, um, or to talk through the knowledge, because at the end of the day, I just want to know, do you know it? Right. And if you can do that. <laughs> Bottom line, do you know it? <laughs> yeah. If you can do that in a conversation, then we're good. Right? Yes. So you have an IEP and you can't, you can't do it the same way every other kid does, but you can still do it. You can still demonstrate that you learned. So it's one of my favorites. And I love checklists too. Oh, love checklists. <laughs> I like checklists too. I also walk around during, you know, during this time with a clipboard and like, um, what do you call them? Like little mailing labels, like sticky note kind of things with kids' names on it. And I just kind of, I call it eavesdropping. I eavesdrop in on their conversations so I can hear, you know, well, what types of problems are they solving? What types of language are they using? Mm -hmm. Are they understanding the concept? And it's more reference for myself. Like, do I need to meet with some kids? Do I need to refocus them? Or are they really understanding it? And it's kind of more of just a um, qualitative type of assessment. Hmm. Good idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. I love that, that label idea. You've shared that before. And every time you bring it up again, I'm like, yes, I need to do that. (laughs) idea. It's a great way to organize it. And it's so easy. It's so I've been easy. using posts on a clipboard and it's just not nearly as fun either. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So ladies, let's talk about some of our favorite project-based learning, some of our favorite PBLs that we've tried in our own classroom. Let's share some of those. 
Let's each share one. <laughs> well, there's so many cool ideas out there. Um, it's hard to choose a favorite, but I'm actually going to share one that wasn't mine, but it's a friend of mine because it's so impactful. She actually pairs up her class every year with the um, Jewish Home for the Aging, so basically a senior mm-hmm. center. <clears throat> she goes there every month, and the kids each have a um, like a senior buddy who every time they go, they interview them, they do activities together. But from gathering all of that, then the kids actually write that senior's biography. Mm. And yeah, it's, and they, and they publish these books. And at the end of every year, they, they have this whole, not a ceremony, but they invite the seniors families to come and the kids all share about what they've learned about each person and they could do it in various formats depending on the child and the choice and that what he, what he or she and their senior have come up with together and i mean it brings you to tears like every time but it's just so they because they knew they were writing for an audience because they had to learn these communication skills and interview skills and then writing skills i mean it just put it ties everything together and it's incredible yeah. uh, that sounds, sounds amazing it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's great. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, my new favorite, and it is my new favorite, and I brace yourself, it's a little bit of self-promotion here, but I'm so excited about this. I do, um, for those of you who don't know, I, I publish a lot of math and art, um, a lot of math and art projects and project-based learning Um they're not all project-based learning, but some are. And the one that I'm getting ready to publish now is a Vincent Van Gogh one with coordinate graphing, and it asks the kids to take on the role of, of an artist after they've done all this research about him and they've learned about coordinate graphs. They actually are graphing constellations for a painting that they're going to do. And then the um, the person who's contracted them comes back and says, you know, I've changed my mind. It needs to be double or triple the size. They have to figure out how to do that using the mathematical knowledge that they have. Um, So it's my new favorite. And it's a real life situation because that is how things go. Sometimes they want things changed and they use their mathematical knowledge to figure out how to do that. That is my new favorite one. And it looks beautiful. I love it. (laughs) So we'll have to link it in the show notes. <laughs> I will. It's it's wonderful. Um, one of mine is called. Um, it's about the kids become archaeologists. That's one of the word vocabulary words that we learn at the beginning of ancient history. Class. <laughs> and what we did is, I actually, <laughs> what I did is, I took um, uh, clay clay uh, pots and mm-hmm. I made little little like designs or something on them then I broke them and I put them in different bags and I would put them into each group and the kids would have to go around and find the pieces that matched and then put it back together and it was hard <laughs> mm-hmm. but but they really got the idea of how difficult it is and you know how how meticulous you have to be in finding you know objects and stuff and putting them together so well, it was, yeah, ahead. because when you do a dig, did you get into like the grid system and how you have to pay attention to where you find parts? And it's it's quite the science, isn't it? Yes, yes, it definitely is. I didn't quite get into all of that, but I just wanted them to see that um, it's how difficult it is to put things together. But I didn't get into it that deeply. 
Yeah, but it's what a cool yeah. experiment and well, experience. Ties in with your coordinate yes. graphing too, Tracy. <laughs> yes. Ooh, ah, see? something too. <laughs> see, Tracy, yeah, it would be great to be working together on that one. No, God, that would be so much fun. I know. <laughs> um, all right, ladies, we are just about out of time. So let's go to our number one tip for allowing student choice. Uh, whoops, I'm in the wrong place. Let's go to our number one tip for talking about project-based learning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's been a long week, and it's just Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> let's talk about that, okay? Okay, Deanne, start us off. All right. Well, I like to let them choose different topics that they're really interested in. As I said, I think before that I would come up with a list of things and they could choose the ones that they wanted to do. And if they had some of their own ideas and I thought that they fit in with what I was trying to get accomplished, I would let them do that too. Mm. My number one tip is don't do group grades. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kathy? Yeah, that, I agree with that. And I also think just helping them structure the project, whatever it is, with mm-hmm. um, like, again, time time management chunks so that they don't yeah. get off track. It's so easy to do, especially when you're with a group of kids. It is. It Oh, that's like one of my biggest challenges is the time management piece because there's such a social quality to it. Yes. Right. That yes. Um, they have a hard. I mean, they're they're focused, but they're in their own kind of plane, <laughs> like the right. twilight zone of time. And I'm like, the checklist help with that then too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so important. Yes. Well, listeners, this is all we have time for today. We hope that you've enjoyed our project-based learning episode. Be sure to check out our blogs in the show notes. If you like what you hear, give us a shout out, leave a comment, give us some stars on your favorite listening platform. And be sure to join us next week because we're going to be talking about student research projects. How do we teach students how to research? We know you're going to be with us because you teach so hard. <laughs>